Braun. Yo. Pleasure to meet you, man. Recording in progress. Nice to meet you, too. How you doing? Uh, great. Appreciate the time and uh, won't keep you too long. Obviously, want to get into the new album, the tour, and get your opinion on a couple things. Uh, but uh, let's start with the album. Loving it, man. Hushed and Grim, a double album. I love everyone talks about everyone having no attention span these days. And of course, Mastodon pays no attention, does the exact opposite, puts out a double album, 86 minutes of music. Killer album. And I'm kind of curious, was a double album always the plan after Emperor in the Sand? Was that always the, the goal? Like, we're going to do Emperor in the Sand and then it's double album time? Or did it just kind of work out that way with with everything that had happened in the world with COVID, certainly? And then, of course, the passing of uh, your late manager, Nick John. Yeah, it was uh, definitely not a conscious decision. And actually, it didn't really, the decision wasn't really made until kind of late in the process. I mean, we just liked the material we had. We felt like it worked well together and, you know, lo and behold, double album. And I think the pandemic definitely had a lot to do with it just because we wouldn't normally have that much time to pour over our material and keep writing and keep working on stuff without some kind of tour looming or something that we had to go do. And so I guess that sort of freedom from the natural cycle that a lot of bands get kind of, I don't know if you'd call it trapped in, but it's just a natural cycle of of the work that you do when you're a, a touring musician and a performer is uh, write, record, tour, write, record, tour for 20 something years now. And then all that stopped. So we, we had more time and uh, things just, things got epic. <laughs> and I, I love it. I'm glad that they did. And uh, certainly loving the tunes, Tear Drinker, Pushing the Tides. And uh, kind of curious with Dagger, that's probably my, my favorite so far. I played drums as a kid, so I love all the extra drums going on in that one. And we wonder if you could talk about everything that you uh, used in that one. Oh, man, uh, we threw uh, everything in the kitchen sink at that one. Yeah. Uh, and on purpose, you know, it was like, wow, this one's a weird one. Um <laughs> I feel like we can kind of go nuts with it. And also, you know, that's another kind of silver lining to having the, the real estate of a double album. You know, you can kind of spread out and you can get weird. You know, it was something actually that Troy, the bass, our bass player singer, had come up with. And, you know, uh, Troy and I sat down there uh, in the studio and just, uh, you know, put it together in song form. And then I've got a good friend of mine named Dave Whitty who plays with the band Municipal Waste to come down. I've been friends with him for 30 years or so. And uh, he came and, and helped. I got all my floor toms that I own and put them all in, in the, 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 uh, the live room. And we mic'd them all up and just got real tribal, you know, painted I each other up and uh, <laughs> just went crazy. Uh, and then there's all sorts of like hunks of metal and, you know, just weird percussion instruments and some Middle Eastern instruments. Uh, yeah, we, we got weird on that one. I like it. Yeah, I thought you might have borrowed some of uh, Slipknot's like pipes that they bang on and stuff. It, it was cool to hear all those different drum sounds. And despite saying that, I'm going to completely inverse and flip what I just said about as many different toms and stuff you used on that one. Man, I feel like you are a snare punisher. And I imagine you go through breaking a lot of heads when you play. And I always kind of wonder if you have a snare drum fill first mentality i guess so you know i kind of lean on that guy i don't really think too much about it that's just the way i naturally developed i'm not you know i'm self-taught so uh no one told me not to so <laughs> you know that's just <laughs> that's just how i uh how i developed i listened to a lot of jazz players when i was a kid and they kind of yeah. worked the snare a lot as well and I, and I listened to a lot of like jazz fusion as a kid uh you know my dad was was way into like mahavishnu orchestra and stuff so billy cobham a lot of crazy snare work 
going on there. So that's the stuff that I really got into as a kid. So I think that it is a, you know, reflects in my, my own playing. Yeah, I was going to say it has a jazz feel too. And I've always thought that about your playing. And since you touched on being a jazz drummer, I got to ask you the age old question. Is it uh, Gene Krupa or Buddy Rich? Um, that's a tough one. You know, I mean, if we're talking playing wise, I would say, I'd say Buddy Rich, you know, but, um, uh, you know, by all reports and I never, obviously never met the man, but uh, he didn't seem, <laughs> didn't seem like the nicest fella, but who knows, you know, the, the, the circumstances life was maybe harder back then. Who knows what, what happened there, but both amazing players and they're, they're, they're both comp- legends, you know? So, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to pick, pick a favorite. Yeah, I think I lean more Krupa. I mean, as far as fills and, and going for it live during a drum solo, I felt like I felt like Buddy Rich was a little bit more by the book, and maybe that's you'd want to hire the guy for the recording and the gig. But if you want a guy to lose his mind like Animal behind the drum set, it's Gene Krupa. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, it's Alvin Jones and Tony Williams. So. <laughs> I love it, man, and uh, certainly want to touch upon the tour. Great bill. Zealand Order and Opeth, we got you in Southern California, Hollywood Palladium coming up December 1st. And I'm kind of curious, was that something that you guys had been wanting to put together for a long time? Like you and Opeth, brilliant, but I would ne- never would have thought of that from the get-go. Or is that something that like booking agents and stuff come up with? Oh, you know, I mean, we've done it before. So we did it. Uh, I can't remember when it was. I think it was a Hunter tour and their heritage tour. So we've done we've been with them before and we're good friends. And, you know, both bands, we make sense together, you know. Yeah. Kind of proggy. And then Zeal and Arter is the perfect, you know, band to open. I don't know. You know, it's when it comes down to touring, first of all, we just want to do a tour and try to <laughs> make it happen and pull it off during these, uh, you know crazy times yeah it's the perfect package and it all kind of comes down to band availability does it make sense uh our promoters feeling that package there's a lot that goes into deciding what's gonna what's gonna you know hit so i think that this makes the most sense for us to do right now you know first tour back and on with a new record I love it. It's a it's an amazing bill, and I cannot look forward to the show anymore. And kind of curious, obviously, that's not going to be your first show back. Was it Rocklahoma or one of the festivals? And how was that first show back after such a long layoff? I mean, were you kind of hurting in places you didn't expect to be? Talk about that first show back and <laughs> the 24 hours afterwards. Uh, the first show back was uh, Psycho Las Vegas, and we played a headline set there, filling in for, for some bands that had some problems getting over you know, getting from, from across the pond that couldn't get over here. Right. So we we kind of filled in last minute. We only had a couple of weeks to prepare, but I'm usually, you know, kind of close to fighting shape. You know, I'm like, uh, I work out all the time and, and I, and I play my drums constantly. And so I felt fine after the show. It was, I always get the butterflies a little bit when I'm, when I'm going up there, but this was, I was extra nervous for this show just because I wanted it to be great. And, you know, we hadn't played in so long and, I was like, oh, yeah, this is what I do. I forgot. (laughs) This is (laughs) what I I do for a living. I thought I just sat around and watched TV. No, I play in a rock band. This is awesome. (laughs) Yeah, it was really fun. Certainly for you, too, not only playing the drums, but singing the whole time, too. I mean, that's a whole nother breath control that I'm sure it was getting some back, too. Yeah, it's a pain in the ass. No, (laughs) (laughs) No, I love doing that. I love singing and everything. For me, it's like uh, the, the way that I am able to sort of work it into 
you know, everything else that's going on is I just treat my voice like another percussive instrument and just look at it as a drum. And you'll notice if you listen to my vocal patterns, there's, there's a percussive element to them. So that's how, that's kind of how I have to figure it. I'm, I say, okay, I'm saying I'm going to start this syllable when I hit this snare. So I have to work it out mathematically like that in my mind. Yeah, I've always thought drumming and singing is the hardest thing on the planet, but I always feel like you also kind of got a leg up because you do have that time and you do have that beat to follow. Yeah, you do. I mean, you know, and if you if you lay it in there properly and you do everything and you put everything in its right place, man. If I misplace a fill and I'm in the middle of singing, it's 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 almost gonna all crumble. <laughs> so it's like it's a pretty fine line. But I think I'm getting better at it. You know, I've been practicing it for over ten years now, so I'm 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 okay. And and still st- sticking with the uh, swing mic. I was hoping for the headset one day. You'd be rocking the the headset uh, microphone. Yeah, taking people's orders and stuff at McDonald's. <laughs> Brian, I appreciate all the time, man. Last thing I got to hit you with, we're one of those old school radio stations. We still salute every night, 10 p.m., which you're going to be a part of, Mandatory Metallica. And kind of curious, uh, what was your entry point to the band? Um, I think my entry point to Metallica was, I think it was, let's see, Ride the Lightning. That's where I started with them. And I think it was my cousin, Randy, who, who showed me my first Metallica tape, which was Ride the Lightning. And he just gave it to me. And so thanks, cousin Randy. And, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> for showing me the way. And, and, and man, the title track, Ride the Lightning, that's the one for me. Did he warn you? Did he say anything or did he just kind of say enjoy? No, because I was already in the priest and maiden and he was like, this is the next step. So I was like, OK, cool. <laughs> And I imagine Lars has had to have rubbed off on you a little bit. Of course. Yeah, he was one of my main influences growing up. Of course. I'm still tripping on the fact that the Black Album turned 30 years old this year, man. It, that feels like new Metallica, and that's 30 yeah, years let's old. Yeah, t- let's, not, let's not discuss it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hear you, man, feeling old. But uh, but it did, and that album solidified them. They can go play they, anytime that they want to go play any stadium in the world. They can do it, and it's because of the Black Album. So kudos to them. And you shared the stage with them over the years. Yeah, many times. We've done lots of touring with them. Good buddies. And uh, yeah, I'll be seeing Lars tomorrow night, I think. It's tomorrow Saturday. They're playing here in Atlanta. And I'm going to go hang out, see the guys. Beautiful, Braun. Thank you so much for the time. It was an honor to talk to you. And I can't not wait for the show in December. Yeah, man. It's going to be awesome. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Safe travels. Appreciate it, bud. Bye-bye. You too. Later. Dude, you absolutely rock. Thank you so much for checking out the entire interview. Now just hit subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast, Radioactive Mike Z. My interviews in their entirety, available on all the major platforms. Tune in, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, whatever you're listening to right now. Just hit the subscribe button. Make sure to give me a follow on the socials as well. I'll follow you back at MikeZ967. And bro, don't miss the radio show. Now 10 p.m to midnight on 96.7 KCAL Rocks in the Southern California Inland Empire area, Riverside, San Bernardino County. Always streaming online at kcalfm.com. You, my friend, absolutely rock.